He did great. All right. We have, uh, in this year, been thinking about what it means to move forward with God and with Christ. And in this last part of this year-long series, we've been talking about what it means to move forward from believer to disciple. And we use the metaphor of the karate kid to think about what it means to be a disciple with a rabbi. And we talked about three big ideas that, that being a disciple is about, well, it's about being, really. It's about being obedient and being together and being like your Savior or your rabbi or your teacher. I want to think about another movement um, that we're going to spend this Sunday and next couple Sundays thinking about, and that's the movement forward from disciple to apostle. So we unpacked what it meant to be a disciple a little bit. I want to unpack what it means to be an apostle a little bit. And this is a confusing word. So really there are are, are two meanings for it. The first is what I call the big A apostles, okay? The big A apostles are those 12 guys that Jesus picked plus Paul, right? Paul gets added in later. Uh, and, And the big A apostles are a closed group. So they're not taking any applications. You can't sign up to be a big A apostle today. I'm sorry. Um, But the word apostle just means one who is sent, okay? Uh, And there are a lot of people in the New Testament who are little a apostles. Sometimes they're even called apostles, but more often they do what apostles do, right? They are sent on God's behalf. Uh, The first apostle in the New Testament is not one of the 12 men that Jesus picked, but a woman. In fact, not even a Jewish woman, but a Samaritan woman that he met at a well, right? And remember what he told her to do? He said, go, find your husband, and come back. And as soon as he told her to go, he made her an apostle, right? One who was sent. By the way, she did more than bring a husband back. She brought the whole village to Christ. So um, when I think about what it means to be one who was sent for Jesus, um, there's this movie that comes back to me again and again. And it's, by, it's uh, I think, written and directed and acted in by Robert Duvall, and it's called The Apostle. And I've got to give a couple of quick caveats. Um, number one, this is not a, a child-appropriate film. Uh, and number two... Um, In this story, the main character is more like King David than he is like Peter, okay? Like King David in that he has these high highs of faithfulness to God and some pretty low lows of unfaithfulness. But it is um, such a a powerful story, and I love the way it begins. It begins with this um, pastor who's going to call himself later the Apostle EF, this pastor driving down the road with his wife, and he sees a car accident Uh, and there are police vehicles, no ambulance yet, and he and his wife park, and he runs into the field to see what happened to the people in one of those cars, and that's where we're going to pick up. Sorry, polluted mine own blood. I said unto thee when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee when thou wast in thy blood.
My son, can you hear me? You don't have to say anything. Just know I'm here to help you. I'm a minister of the Lord. I want you to know the Lord loves you here today, and I love you. Now, if you can't answer, just nod. If you can't nod, just, you know, think it. Answer me in your mind. If the Lord were to call you right now, would you be ready? You accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Are you ready for him? Are you ready to follow and accept him at this very instant? Now, if you open your heart and let him come in, he will stand with you whether you go home or whether you stay here with us. And if it, in your time, he'll stand by you, brother, both you and your wife, he'll deliver you through this entire ordeal. Now, listen to me now. There are angels, even in this automobile at this precise moment. He'll send his angels here to watch over you. Now, do you accept him? Hey, mister. Thank you, Jeff. Get, get out of there. You can't be in there. You hear me? Yeah. Now, Let's when go. That, now, when that ambulance gets you in there on your way, you're going to fly down the highway. Lord's going to have a whole flock. His angels lead you on that Come highway. on, get out. He's going to go all the way with you. You've taken the Lord today. He's going to go all the way with you because you both are his champions here today. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Don't have to thank me, son. Thank the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're in his hands now. But two or more gathered in my name, there would I be also. Mister? I'm sorry about this, but you got to go back to your car. You yes, can't sir. be out here. You're not allowed here. Okay, I, I love that moment. And I love the passion of this man who is so certain uh, that God has, has sent him to everyone he meets. If a disciple is about being, then an apostle is about going. And just as Jesus called the twelve to be apostles, just as he called the woman at the well to go, so too, in the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, he says these words to the whole church, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And when he says that, he says that every one of his disciples is also supposed to be an apostle. So uh, I want to think about this a little bit today and the next couple of weeks. What does it mean for us to be apostles? Uh, and, And I... Imagine if you, maybe even like myself, are kind of intimidated about that idea. Okay, sure, Jim, I don't mind the idea of being a disciple. I get it. I can follow Jesus. But being an apostle sounds like a really big deal. And I'm not sure that I'm, you know, spiritual enough or, or Christian enough or biblical enough or wise enough or whatever it is to be an apostle. And so um, I want to think this morning about what it takes to be an apostle. And and I hope you noticed something super important. So in this passage that Abram read for us in the um, 10th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, the disciples change from disciple to apostle. They even change the name, right? Um, Then Jesus summoned His 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles, right? Right there. That was the moment. What was missing? 
We've got a lot of things are missing, but here's one. Did you hear a graduation ceremony? Were any degrees conferred upon them? Were, were they ordained by the whole church? What did it take? It took Jesus sending them. That's literally all it took. I, I think one of the great dangers for us in our modern church is we have got this idea uh, that like the rest of the world, it takes a certain amount of expertise to be a Christian or to be a Christian leader or to be an apostle, that it, you have to be an expert at it. You've got to go to school and get a degree and get ordained and all these things. That is not how it ever works in Scripture. In fact, the only leader I can think of in the entire Bible who is um, trained in that way before they come and are sent by Jesus is Paul. And he starts out trying to murder all the Christians, right? Um, more common is Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah who says, whoa, 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 God, you have got the wrong guy. I'm a kid, and you're asking me to go speak to the king and tell him to repent of his sins or you will destroy the nation. Don't you want to ask somebody with a degree, God says, no, I'm, I'm sending you. By the way, God has that conversation with Abraham and with Moses and with Samuel and with just about everybody in Scripture. So this idea that we have to be experts before we can be apostles is completely unbiblical. You don't learn to swim in a classroom. You don't become a great heart surgeon by studying a book. You don't learn to lay the foundation of a house by hearing a really good lecture, right? God has an apprenticeship model, and He expects us to apprentice with Him, not just as disciples, but as apostles. That's why right here in the middle of the Gospel of Matthew, He sends out the apostles in twos and says, go spread the news of the kingdom. I don't want to like rag on the apostles, but they're still kind of dumb right now okay? Like, they don't get a lot of really important things. We're not sure if they know that Jesus is the Messiah yet. They certainly don't know that Jesus is the Son of God yet. They have no idea that He's going to die for their sins and be raised again from the dead. Like, there's really important stuff they don't get. And Jesus doesn't say, well, okay, let's pass the doctrinal theology class and let's make sure you memorize your biblical Hebrew and Greek and then we'll send you. No, He says, get out there. Everybody is an apostle because Jesus calls us to be them. However, however, um, Jesus doesn't throw us in the deep end to learn to swim by ourselves. Okay, so Jesus does two really important things in this passage to prepare the disciples for their new identity as apostles. He does those things for us as well. Overwhelmingly important, simple, but overwhelmingly important things. The first is um, He tells us to go with God's purpose, to go with God's purpose. So I hope you noticed in, in this passage, it begins with Jesus going through the cities and villages, teaching and proclaiming the good news, curing every disease and every sickness. And then a little bit later, Jesus is going to send the apostles to cure every disease and every sickness and proclaim the good news. But in between, there's this moment where He says, this is verse 36, Jesus saw the crowds he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So this is a huge idea for us in the story of Scripture. Um, this idea that, that Christ sees us um, as, as sheep without a shepherd. 
This is a metaphor that runs throughout Scripture. We know Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We know that Moses and David were literally shepherds before they were appointed to be leaders over God's people. Um, but there's one particular verse, I think, that Matthew has in mind when he relates this story about Jesus. So in Numbers chapter 27, verse 17, Moses is talking to God and he's concerned about what's going to happen when he dies, who's going to lead Israel after him. Uh, and in this conversation with God, he says, please appoint someone over the congregation, so that, but, which means all of Israel, so that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus says to the disciples, hey, this is my purpose. I am the good shepherd who leaves the 99 and goes and finds the one and brings them back. This is my heart. This is what I want you to be about. If you are going to be my apostles, you have to go with my purpose. You have to go with my purpose. You have to do what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. And this is absolutely essential for us. If we're going to be people who go out and, and tell people about the love of God, we have to love them the way God loves them. Uh, it means we've got to take them as they are. We've got to recognize that um, they're not already going to be perfect and the, they're not already going to have their lives together and they don't have to get their lives together first to come to Christ. Um, we've got to recognize uh, that we can't write them off or run them off, um, that we can't judge them. Um, boy, this one really stands out to me. Uh, in our culture today, I can pick just one thing that I know uh, in general conservatives and liberals, uh, uh, Republicans and Democrats all agree on, and that is it is our job to judge the other people, right? Let me, let me tell you all the ways that you guys are wrong and your motivations are wrong and your intentions are wrong and your solutions are wrong. And um, There's one person who came on earth who was worthy to judge everyone, and he met a woman who was caught in sin, and he said, where are those who condemned you? Do they condemn you? And she said, no. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. We've we got to have a heart like that, right, for people to say, I don't care what you've done or where you've been or what's been done to you. Christ has called me to bring His love to you, uh, and I'm not going to come with judgment. I'm going to come with the forgiveness of a God who has already forgiven me. Uh, so, Jesus says, I want you to have this purpose. Go with God's purpose. And then he has this great line. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So, he says, it's not just that the people that are far from God are like sheep without a shepherd. He says, they're like a harvest, like an opportunity, just waiting for us um, to, to reach out and love them and bring them into the kingdom of God. I've probably shared this story with you before, but when I was in college, my freshman year of college, my faith really exploded. I mean, I already knew Jesus when I got to college, but it really took off. And I spent a lot of time in Bible study and in, in, in worship and just learning about Scripture and, and Jesus, and it was an awesome year for me. I came home that summer, and my home church asked me to be a summer intern with their youth group. So I, I worked with the youth over the summer, kind of like uh, Kate Kuna did for us a couple years ago. And at the um, onset of that summer, I remember saying, God, I would love the privilege of 
being involved in bringing somebody to you for the first time. I've never done that. I mean, it's not about me, but I just, I just, I just want to have that kind of impact. I want, to, I want to touch somebody's life in such a way that maybe I get to have one of those, you know, car crash moments without the car crash, right? And, and I prayed that not once, um, but that summer I prayed that most every day. And as the summer wore on, um, all kinds of really wonderful stuff happened. I mean, it was an awesome summer, um, but I didn't have that moment I was hoping for, and I thought it might come in youth group or it might come when we were away on a youth convention or on a mission trip, and it didn't happen, it didn't happen. I just kept praying, God, I just, I want to have my eyes open for that moment. The last week um, of that summer before I was to head back to college, I was doing a Bible study that we'd done all summer long with some friends of mine. It was college students. It wasn't even with the youth group, and it was just because I needed some friends around over the summer. There was one friend from high school who was in that group who had um, not really been involved in church in a really long time, but came to the Bible study just because she knew me. And that last week on that last Bible study, as we ended, she said, hey, Jim, can you hang around a moment? And I grabbed one other person, and the three of us sat around, and she said, you know what, I've, I've grown up in the church my whole life, but I've never, ever, ever given my life to Christ. Uh, and something about this summer has made me think that maybe that's something I want to do. And I just thought maybe you and Norman and I could sit here and pray, and you could tell me how to invite Christ into my life. And I said, actually, I'm really busy right now. I got to, no, I said, praise God. Like, I've been praying about this for all summer. Like, you are an answer to my prayer, right? I'm so excited. Um, Jesus instructs the disciples to pray that the Lord of the harvest will send laborers into the vineyard. And then what's the next thing that happens? They're the ones who are sent, right? They're the answer to the prayer. By the way, Jesus is the answerer of the prayer, which is pretty awesome. Um, but they're the answer to the prayer. Uh, and so I believe that this is how it starts with us, right? That we begin to pray, God, give me a heart like yours for the people around me, uh, for my friends and my neighbors and my coworkers uh, and, and the people in the pew with me and everybody. God, give me a heart like yours. I want to love them like you love them. I want to see them as, as sheep that need a shepherd, as a harvest of opportunity just waiting to be brought into your eternal life. And, and, and then God, send somebody and maybe send me. So we go with God's purpose. And the second thing that Jesus does at this moment is He sends them with God's power. And by the way, you cannot go with God's purpose. I'm sorry, you cannot go with God's power unless you go with His purpose, right? He's not going to equip you with His power to do great things if you're not doing it for the same reasons He wants you to do them, right? So first we get the purpose, then we get the power. And we get this really interesting moment where it says, Jesus summoned the twelve and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, and to cure every disease and every sickness. What does it mean that He gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness? I think it means two related ideas. The first is not just this idea of power, but it's that Jesus authorizes them, right? He says, you're the right one to go. I love this moment when Robert Duvall visits this car because he thinks he's supposed to be there, right? Nobody else does. Uh, and when, I love when the police officer comes up and says, sir, you really, we're waiting for an ambulance. You're not supposed to be here. And he's like, yeah, I'll be there in a minute. He's like kicking the cop, right? Get up. Like, I'm supposed to be here and you're not, right? Why? Because God has sent him. Right? 
At the core of his being, he knows he has been authorized by God to be in that moment. There are going to be plenty of people in your life where everybody else is going to say, I'm not sure I'm the one to go. Yet somebody in their life died and, geez, I don't know what to say when somebody dies. I bet somebody else will go visit them at the funeral. Boy, I, I know that person's dealing with, with serious illness or with um, depression or with addiction, and, but I don't know what to say about that. There's somebody else is going to go. But an apostle is someone who says, no, I'm the one who's supposed to go. I've been sent. I've been authorized. I'm supposed to show up. And then when I show up, I show up with His authority, with His power, right? And Jesus is so clear. He will give us power to push back the darkness and bring light in people's lives. He will give us the right words to say. It's not going to be your eloquence or your wisdom. Uh, That moment in my parents' living room after the summer of my freshman year was like the worst prayer I've ever prayed in my entire life. I mean, it was horrible, right? It wasn't about how good my prayer was, right? God put the right words my friend heard what she needed to hear from me and nothing else, right? And yeah, I absolutely believe that God can do extraordinary, miraculous things through us. In fact, Jesus says this again and again, he, we will do the things that He did, but we will do them like Jesus did them, right? That means in humility, that means facing opposition, that means offering compassion to those who sometimes have little compassion for us. God can and will render supernatural aid, um, but sometimes that power of God comes in our weakness. So I heard an awesome story uh, this week. Many of you know Tom and Amy Scott, who are part of our church. Uh, Tom, a couple of years, uh, almost three years ago, was diagnosed with leukemia and needed a life-saving bone marrow transplant. Uh, he received that from a, a total stranger in, like, think Germany or somewhere in Europe, and um, it was a, a wonderful gift, not out of the woods, but it has made his life possible. Uh, and something really interesting happened this week. So Amy shared um, that, and I'm going to read what Amy said, there is a two-year waiting period um, when the donor is international. And at that time, the bone marrow transplant coordinator has an extensive form that is filled out by the recipient if they want to get in touch and to see if the donor wants to be in touch also. So two years have just passed since Tom's bone marrow transplant. And so uh, the donor did want to know Tom. Amy says they've exchanged emails and pictures. You have no idea what this feeling was like for our family. We know that Tom is not out of the woods yet as newer things seem to pop up here and there. But my goodness, to know who this gentleman is after two years that has given my husband, the rock of our family and a wonderful father to our children, a chance for a longer life is a feeling words cannot even describe. Thank you, SF from Germany, for giving Tom the gift of life. And I just, I just love this idea, right, that this man who didn't even know Tom, right, they just met for the first time now two years later, um, had this understanding that he was the one, right? It wasn't somebody else that was going to go and give this gift of literally giving up part of his life for a stranger. He was the one that God was sending, right? He was the one who was called to go. Uh, And his willingness to go not only impacted a life, but a whole family, not through his strength, but in his weakness. I got to tell you, that's the Jesus way. That's the Jesus way. 
So who are the people in car crashes around you today? Who are the people whose lives are falling apart, who need someone who shows up with God's purpose and with God's power to bring them the story of Jesus Christ? These might be folks whose lives are very visibly falling apart, or they might be folks who look like their life is all together on the outside, right? They're really good at faking it. Sometimes I'm really good at faking it. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Um, But they need to have somebody who shows up and says, hey, I'm the right woman. I'm the right man for this job. God has sent me to you today. And I got a message that's not from me, but that will go through me that's going to change your life eternally. One more detail I love about this passage. Um, Jesus loves to give his authority away. Um, By the way, um, there's a wonderful book called um, Future Church where they talk about the difference between being a celebrity and having authority, right? Celebrities have to hold their celebrity because you might get more famous than me. It's a problem. Um, But but leaders like Jesus love giving their authority away. Um, And Will Mancini in Future Church says this is a moment Um, where the boundless compassion of Christ meets the bottomless opportunity of the world, right? Uh, And so the best privilege for Jesus is to say, I can't wait to give my authority to you. I can't wait to send you to equip you for my work. And in Matthew 28, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. The one who has all the authority loves giving it to us if we will go with him, with his spirit, with his purpose, with his power. So today, I believe Jesus is sending you not as an expert, but as an apprentice. He's sending you to do some on-the-job learning as you are authorized to carry the story of Christ into the world. Please, Today, have your eyes open. Someone around you is in a car crash. Someone around you needs you to show up, and you are the only one who can do it. Not to be wise and brilliant and super spiritual and have all the answers, but simply to show up with God's purpose and with God's power to go with Jesus to the world. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.